Welcome to our Apostolic Mentoring Weekly Podcast, where powerfully anointed kingdom servants equip, impart, and help to position God's people for apostolic ministry. Our purpose is to establish the biblical apostolic pattern globally so that the army of God will be apostolic in word and deed, facilitating God's global harvest. Here's your host, Charles Robinette. Without a doubt, um, I really believe that we are living in the greatest hour of the apostolic church. I don't think that our greatest days are behind us. Uh, Anybody who says that has no idea about kingdom principles and kingdom vision. They they are lost in some delusion and some type of uh, deception because in the last days, God is going to give his church the greatest harvest that we have ever had in history. We are going to see billions receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're going to see billions be baptized in Jesus' name. I, I am believing that. I'm expecting that. I am positioned and, and poised for that. And I believe the entire church is being poised and positioned for a great end time harvest like has never, ever been seen before. And so I believe the apostolic reality of this hour is, is simply this. I believe that the whole earth is being filled with the power and the glory of God. And there is nobody and nothing that can stop what God is going to do and is already doing in these very last days. And I personally believe that this last days in time global outpouring has already begun I don't think that we are are moving into it. I believe it has started. It's happening right now. People are still getting the Holy Ghost all around the world in greater numbers than the apostles ever saw. People are still being filled with the Holy Ghost in greater numbers than, than the early church ever witnessed with their own eyes. And so the church has not slowed down. As a matter of fact, I believe the church it is picking up speed it has picked up speed and we are everywhere the church is literally everywhere what the devil meant for evil what he meant to slow us down what he meant to intimidate us what he meant to make us afraid with all of a sudden has opened up and now we're on the airways we're preaching all over facebook i dare you to open up facebook and find one single page where there's not some apostolic preacher preaching about the mighty god in christ preaching about baptism in jesus name preaching about the infilling of the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues i i dare you to find a page where where somebody's not preaching about miracles and signs and wonders. And so whatever the enemy meant for evil, all I can do is laugh. I, I look at how ignorant the enemy is that he thought that he could hinder the promise and the revelation and the and the prophetic word of God in these last days. No pandemic's going to stop us. No politician's going to stop us. 
There is nothing that can hinder what God has already prophetically declared for his church in these very last days. So we ought to just celebrate it. We're going to have a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and even a multi-organizational global harvest that I believe is going to include the 21 million souls in the Philippines and the 7.7 billion souls in the world. And I believe that. I believe that we should be thinking big, casting a big vision, talking a big vision, and we shouldn't be afraid to declare that our God cannot do something, but that our God can do everything. That's what I'm speaking. That's what I'm believing God for. So let me tell you how God is going to accomplish this great global harvest, just in a nutshell. Number one, we are going to witness the full activation of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting and edifying of the saints for the work of ministry. In these last days, we are not going to have a handicapped church, a partially effective church where we've got some evangelists, pastors, and teachers operating. But in these last days, the church is going to embrace the full fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We're not going to fear one another. We're not going to isolate one group from the other. We're not going to be intimidated of apostles and prophets, but we're going to release that ministry. And when we release that ministry, we're going to see and apprehend a global harvest that God promised. That's that's It is impossible to see the vision and the promise and the prophecies of God come to pass, come to pass, without the full activation of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But don't worry, it's going to happen. All those naysayers are going to get out of the way. God's going to run out the naysayers. God's going to either convince them to get on board or God's going to move them off the ship. It's that simple. And we're going to see the activation of the fivefold ministry, which is going to release the promises of God. Number two. We will see the effective impartation and operation of the gifts of the spirit that is going to happen. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse tongues, the interpretation of tongues. We're going to see that activation, impartation and operation by the entire body of Christ, not a handful of people, not a few select, special, especially equipped people, but in the last days, God is going to just develop and release an army that operates in the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the spirit, and it is going to result in an unprecedented demonstration of the spirit and power of God like Paul said, I, I love how Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 4 through 5. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, but I, I love what the Bible says here. 
He said, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so I believe that's how it's going to happen. That type of global ministry facilitates a global harvest. When you partner together the truth with demonstration of the spirit and power, when you partner together that righteousness with the demonstration and spirit and of power, the people are going to witness and see the power of God. They're not going to shun it. They're not going to run away from it, but they're going to run into it. And we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled. And I want to be very clear what I mean about global harvest. I'm I, I want to be very clear. I want to prevent any kind of misunderstanding. But this is what I mean by global harvest. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 said, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. When I say global harvest, I mean a revival that just turns the world upside down. I mean every man, every woman, every child. There's a baptism of the Spirit that overtakes the globe. The kind of baptism of the Spirit, the type of global harvest that looks like Revelation chapter 7 and 9, where the Bible said, And I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, of every kindred, of every people, of every tongue, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. That's the kind of global harvest that I'm talking about. A kind that overtakes every nation, every language, every culture, every color. That's what God wants to give his church if we can just align ourselves we can just get active in apostolic ministry. I believe in global harvest. And I'm telling the church in the Philippines and everybody else that views this, you should believe in global harvest too. You ought to get your mind focused on a revival that's so big and so great that only God can give it to his church. If we can do it with our own hands, it's not of God. If it's a vision that we can accomplish without his help, then we don't, then, then it's not a kingdom vision. But if we need God to do it, if it's a vision so big that only God can bring it to pass, man, then you know you've heard something from the Lord. And now I believe God's global harvest is going to be too big for any one man to do, any team to do. It's going to take every one of us working in unity, working in harmony, loving one another, supporting one another, believing in one another. That's the only way that we can reach this harvest. Hallelujah. So I don't want to be misunderstood. We can't force anyone to receive the gospel. We can't force everybody to receive the Holy Ghost. We know that not everybody is going to receive the truth. Somebody's going to go to hell, but I'm going to fight against it the whole way. But I'm going to tell you right now, we, we ought to believe that God can give us a global harvest. 
We ought to cast a big vision for reaching the Philippines. We should cast a big, a big kingdom vision for reaching the world. And we should grab onto the net with both hands and expect God to fill the nets. That's the kind of revival I'm expecting. I don't want a 10% revival. What a terrible tragedy if all we won was 10% of the Philippines. If if out of 21 million people, all we could see was a 2 million soul revival. What a tragedy. That's not something to celebrate. We ought to cry all the way to heaven. If only 2 million people are one in the Philippines, we ought to weep to glory. But oh, I want to believe God for a revival that's so big that when we when we hear that trumpet sound and the rapture happens and, and the evacuation of the Philippines begins, I want to see the devil weeping because he didn't win what he thought he would, but the church was strong and the church lifted up and only a handful remained. That's how it ought to be in the rapture that the devil is just a, made a fool of because what he thought he was going to do, he didn't come close to doing. And so I'm believing God. I'm believing God for revival that's so big that no man can number it. That's so great that it just makes a fool of the enemy and that sound of the trumpet. And so we ought to be believing for that for the Perez. We ought to be believing God for a 21 million soul revival in the Philippines. We ought to cast a vision for that and speak for that and dream for that and articulate it and communicate it and plan for it. That's how it ought to be in these very last days. And I I don't want anybody to misunderstand or think I'm not in touch with reality. I, I understand that we are in a very unique hour and the global church is, is in a unique hour and we've got challenges that we are facing. But I have come today to rebuke the spirit of fear. I refuse to let the spirit of fear get in the way of God's global church. And I I know we're being inundated with information that's stoking fear in our hearts. And I know that every news program is sowing this this seed of fear. And every social media outlet is, is sowing this seed of fear. Even our governments are disseminating information that is causing fear to grip the hearts of God's global church. But the chaos of the hour should should not surprise the apostolic church because the Bible says that, that in those last days, we're going to see men's hearts failing them for fear. There's going to be things going on in the world that are just cannot be explained and, and that are beyond our, 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 our expectation and understanding. But, but the Bible said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church no matter what no matter what the devil does no matter what the world does you better believe that acts 2 and 17 shall come to pass it shall come to pass that in the last days saith god i will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and so i want to rebuke the spirit of fear today I want to take authority over that spirit of fear. 
If God did not give us the spirit of fear, <clears throat> the Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, for God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if God did not give it to us, it cannot stay. If fear did not come from the Lord, it has no place in the church of the living God. And I want to tell you, here's the apostolic reality, regardless of what's going on in this world. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five, the casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so today, as we just open up this session, I want to rebuke the spirit of fear. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I cast down every fearful imagination that has been limiting your kingdom vision and limiting your kingdom pot potential. I rebuke the spirit of fear that has arrogantly exalted itself. I break the back of fear right now. In the name of Jesus, I release the nation of the Philippines from that spirit of fear that has assaulted your mind, that has assaulted your ministries, and I release you into apostolic power and apostolic authority. In the name of Jesus Christ right now, I rebuke every spirit that's attacking your mind. I release supernatural anointing upon you. I release the spirit of impartation upon you. I release apostolic power and demonstration upon the church in the Philippines. I release apostolic boldness and authority upon you in the name of Jesus. I release a new level of apostolic faith. I release a wave of apostolic revelation and kingdom vision and kingdom understanding upon the team that is in the Philippines right now. In the name of Jesus, I command you to receive it. I command the yoke of fear to be broken. I release you into that prophetic promise of God for a global harvest that impacts the 21 million souls in the Philippines in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And so, hallelujah. I want to jump into my lesson today, hallelujah, because the Lord would have me to speak to you about apostolic impartation. That is very important element in this last day's church, apostolic impartation. And as believers and leaders and churches, we must all be intentional to ensure that the entire army of God, not just in the Philippines, but globally is fully equipped and strategically released in order to accomplish God's global harvest vision. So apostolic impartation is a critical component of God's kingdom purpose. And impartation means this, the act of giving, conveying, granting, 
or communicating the knowledge of something held in store. And I've heard it said like this, impartation is the spiritual transfer that takes place through relationship when we open ourselves up to the teachings of of our relationship with an anointed individual we become a recipient of impartation a portion of what's on their life begins to rub off on our life and when you look in numbers chapter 11 in verse 16 and 17, I'm not going to read this, but, but I just want to give you some examples. God told Moses to gather 70 men and bring them unto the tabernacle. God took of the spirit that was upon Moses and put it upon those 70 men so that they were qualified to bear the burden of the people under the authority of Moses and under the authority of God. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9, the spirit of wisdom was imparted to Joshua when Moses laid his hands upon him so that Joshua could lead and Joshua could continue in that that spirit that the Lord was wanting for his people. When you look at 2 Timothy 1 and 6, Paul instructed Timothy to stir up the gift of God, which the Bible said, He received through the laying on of hands. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2. We witness the impartation of a double portion of the spirit of Elijah released upon Elisha for kingdom purpose. Acts 1 and 8. We receive the impartation of power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon us. Acts 8 and 18, Simon sees that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost is given and he seeks to purchase it with money. Obviously incorrect, which results in a sharp rebuke from Peter. There's no doubt that was incorrect, but he saw impartation as it was transferred from one person to another. So unquestionably, there is an abundance of scriptural foundation for the impartation of spiritual gifting, anointing, blessing, healing, Holy Ghost. This isn't something we should fear, something we should shun, something that we should think is spooky or something that's that's not uh, spiritual. But the scripture shows us. That impartation is something that is is valuable, that flows from one person to another. And so while there's no way that I can do a comprehensive study of apostolic impartation today, I want to share with you three experiential observations regarding spiritual impartation. Number one, you must be intentional about positioning yourself to receive apostolic impartation radical submission radical humility and radical sacrifice and radical prayer always positions you to receive apostolic impartation that always produces radical demonstration and radical power in God's church God's people and God's kingdom When I talk about radical submission, a child of God who is not under spiritual authority can never effectively operate spiritual authority.
to the edification of the kingdom of God. I don't care who you are, who you think you are, what you think you know. If you are not under authority, you cannot be trusted with authority. It is a fact. You are destructive. You are a destroyer of everything good if you are not under authority. If you're a man of God that does not have a man of God that speaks into your life, you are not a man of God. Impossible. You are not a man of God and you certainly should not be in a pulpit if you do not have a pastor. Every man of God must have a spiritual covering. And I'm not talking about a covering that can simply, that you just counsel with and you take their opinion and then you go on and do what you want. I'm talking about a man of God who can say no to you. And when they say no to you, you say, yes, sir. You say, I receive that in Jesus name. And you don't just consider it but you submit to it, you obey the man of God, and you allow that, that, that being under authority to develop even greater spiritual authority in your life. Submission to authority will break the demonic works of lawless, lawlessness, hatred, racism, rebellion. It will break every unclean spirit that could get a hold of your life. If you submit to authority, you are free to operate in authority without the restrictions of the satanic influence of this world. It's just a fact. You cannot have apostolic impartation if you are not under apostolic authority. If we want to see radical demonstration of the spirit in our church, in our ministry, in our city, in our nation, we must throw off the great deception of anti-authority. It is a great deception to question authority, to resist authority, to be anti-authority. That is the narrative that this world, that the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to sow in this world right now. Resist authority, question authority, be anti-authority, do your own thing. I'm my own man. I'm my own pastor. I'm my own minister. I'm my own. The moment that you apprehend that type of thinking, the spirit of the Antichrist has gotten into your heart. And once the spirit of the Antichrist gets in your heart and spirit, your ministry is over. You may have a form of godliness to the rapture, but you will not have authority and power that, that produces kingdom results. You're just a form of godliness until the rapture if you are not under apostolic authority. You can look the part. You can put the suit on every week. You can get up in your tie. You can preach messages but you will never be in the rapture if you are not under apostolic authority. I'm not trying to offend anybody. <laughs> I just want to tell you the truth because if we don't tell the truth in these last days, we're going to miss out on kingdom harvest and we cannot do that. 
You don't want to do that to your own ministry. Stop trying to be your own man. Stop trying to do your own thing. Link your arms with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Put yourself under authority. Get yourself a pastor that can tell you no. Get a pastor that can tell you stop and obey the man of God. Submit to the man of God. And when you do, it'll change your life forever. You will see things in the spirit you've only dreamed of. The moment you align yourself under authority, you will move into a new dimension that you can't even imagine. Brother Michael Robinson made this statement. He said, uh, submission is the instant willing obedience to authority. The instant willing obedience to spiritual authority. That's not going home. You know, I don't know what this thing is right now, Brother Mathis. I'm a little confused on this new um this new thing that's happening amongst the, the, the kingdom where people have a committee of people that, that supervise them. I, I don't, I'm having trouble finding that in scripture, Brother Mathis. I know you guys, Pastor Sams and, and, and our assistant superintendent, Brother Perez, maybe you can help me find it in the word of God. But I just don't find this existence of this committee where people have surrounded themselves with counselors. And, and so everybody gets to give their opinion and then we get to do what we want. I, I don't find that in scripture. That, that's not, that doesn't align with the word of God to me. Let me tell you something. Being under authority is not comfortable. It, it sometimes isn't convenient. <laughs> it sometimes takes away all of the things you think you're going to do. I understand all that, but I'm going to tell you, there is nothing more safe, more beautiful, more edifying, more releasing than having a pastor that can look you in the eye and say, stop. No, that's not right. And when you submit to that, you feel that release of peace, that covering, that, that anointing that's fulfilled in somebody being radically submitted. The fastest way to ruin your ministry is to get yourself a committee. The fastest way to ruin your ministry is to resist authority. But the fastest way to open up the windows of heaven and see the fivefold ministry fulfilled in your life and the gifts of the spirit activated in your life is to sit yourself under a man of God that can say no. When you do that, that's when you're free. See, there's a spirit of deception in this world. The world says, resist authority and you're free. But the kingdom says, get authority and you're free. That's what we're looking for. I want to be under authority, radical submission under kingdom authority. If we are submitted to authority, we will have greater understanding about how authority works. People who refuse to submit to authority are dangerous to the kingdom of God because they leverage authority the wrong way. Without submission, there is no possible way for us to appropriately operate in the realm of demonstration and power. We will destroy others. We will not build up. We will ultimately destroy ourselves. 
And don't think for a moment you will be the only person that suffers. If you won't be under authority, your wife's going to suffer. Your children are going to suffer. Suffer. Your, your church is going to suffer. Anybody you've ever won to the Lord is going to suffer. The moment you resist authority, you destroy not just yourself, but you will destroy multitudes. Multitudes. I'm so thankful I have a pastor. My pastor is Raymond Woodward. And sometimes I don't like him. Sometimes I don't like him at all. When I go to him and I think I got things figured out and he says, nope, you're wrong. Matter of fact, last week we had general conference in North America and I had a meeting with my pastor and I sat down with my pastor and I told him what I thought about something. And all of a sudden my pastor looked across the table and he said, well, that's one idea, but it's a wrong idea. Here's here's the right idea. And, And he rebuked me for having the wrong idea. And you know what I did? I cried. And I said, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for speaking. You're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't be thinking that way. I'm 47 years old, Brother Mathis, but I got a man of God that can tell me shut up and stop and no. And I need it, Brother Mathis. I need it because I can't trust myself. I can't trust myself to always think right, do right, and feel right. But when I put myself under authority, hallelujah, and I say, man of God, I'm not too old for you to rebuke me. I'm not too spiritual to hear from a spiritual man. I'm not too gifted to have a man rebuke me. Speak into my life. Challenge me. Challenge my thoughts. Challenge my ideas. Put me in check. Save my soul. Don't just save my soul, but save my babies. Keep my my wife and my daughter saved by keeping me in check. Keep me in check so I don't lose my soul and cause my babies to be lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be under authority. So that I can operate in authority. I want to be under authority so that I can have operate in a faith that knows no bounds. You look at Matthew chapter eight. It's a it's a common story, I know. And I'm, I, I hate, you know, telling these common stories, these things that you all know. But Matthew eight and verses five through ten, the Bible said and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I'll come and heal him. I'll do it. Here I, I go. I'll, I'll walk there. I'll do this. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not even worthy that, worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only. Speak the word. My servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. What a beautiful thing to be able to say in the kingdom of God. I am a man under authority. Wow. If every one of us could say that and mean that, I'm a man under authority. Somebody can rebuke me. Somebody can say no to me. And somebody can tell me to shut my mouth. If you can say, I am a man under authority. Look, I was raised under some 
heavy hitters, okay? And I know the world's changed, Pastor Sam's. I, 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 I'm, I'm old school. I, I'm old school. I'm not super old. I'm 47 years old, but I was raised old school. I was raised by guys that just didn't pull punches. I, I remember driving to my very first, I was a licensed minister in Michigan. And Brother Nix was, I was driving Brother Nix when he was the superintendent to the, to the uh, district conference. And on the way there, he was sitting in the passenger seat. And he said, Brother Robinette, he said, if you are in that district meeting today, and he said, and if you think you have something valuable to say, he said, if you think you have something to contribute, and Brother Mathis, I was thinking, ooh, he's about to release me. He's going to say, you just stand up and you say it. You you just, you're a man of God. You, you say what you need to say at 21 years old. You just get it out there. He said, if you think you got something to say, you think you have something valuable to add. You think that you've got something to contribute. He said, shut your mouth. He said, shut your mouth. He said, until you have bled, until you have sweat, until you have shed tears for this movement, until you have invested your life into this kingdom. He said, trust your elders, stay under authority. Let the men of God that have shed blood and shed tears and sweat great drops. He said, you stand with the elders and keep your mouth shut. And you know what? That didn't offend me, brethren. It didn't offend me. When my pastor said that, I thought, my God, I received that in Jesus' name. I want to be a man of God. I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't want to think that I'm something I'm not. I need my elders. I need my leaders. I need somebody to tell me no. I need somebody to tell me stop. Because we can get so full of ourselves sometimes. And we can think we're so big and so powerful. I want to be a man under authority. I want to be a man under authority. And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, when I heard it, when I heard that guy say, I'm a man under authority, I, I know how to submit. I know how to be told no. I know how to be reined in. I know how to be sent and I know how to go even when I don't like it. Jesus said, he marveled and he thought, I found never have I met such great faith. Listen to me, ministers. Your faith can never be greater than when you are under authority. Never, never until you are under a man of God, under spiritual authority. You are never going to apprehend that great faith that you're seeking, that great desire to be used of God that you're hungry for. You will never see it. Until you position yourself under authority completely. Where somebody can tell you no. Where they, they reject your idea and it hurts. But you say, yes, sir. I submit. I receive it. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It, it may not always be what I want. But I want to be under authority because I want to move in a realm of greater faith that can only be trusted in the safety net 
of spiritual authority. Hallelujah. Being under apostolic authority releases the pure and unhindered operation of apostolic authority. You cannot possess one without the other. It's impossible. It's impossible. Radical humility. Humility. Let's talk about that a moment. Humility is knowing who you are, knowing who God is, and never getting confused about who is who. That's humility. I know who I am. I know who God is. And I'm not confused. I'm not him. He is great and greatly to be praised. I am frail humanity. I make mistakes. I stumble. I fall. I got to get back up. I need help getting up sometimes. I, I sometimes think I'm bigger than I am and I need my bubble popped. And I, I remember Brother Rodenbush saying to me years ago, Many years ago, I was complaining about something, Brother Mathis, and I was, I was upset about something that was happening in global missions, and it wasn't right. It didn't make sense, and, and Brother, Brother Rodenbush was on the phone with me, and he said, he said, hold on a minute. He said, I think you got too big of a head. Let me pop your bubble. He said, you ain't all that in a bag of chips. He said, you, you, you just need somebody to put you back in your place. You know, I could have gotten angry. I could have I resisted authority. But I realized that man of God was right. I needed my bubble, my bubble popped. I needed, I needed to come down a few notches. I needed to understand that, you know what? Sometimes the way I think things are, are not how they are. Spiritual authority can help me see things spiritually. Sometimes I, I get out of that humility and when I get out of it, my, my vision is skewed and my ability to see things as they really are is skewed. But if somebody pops my bubble a little bit, Pastor Sam's, I can, I can get back aligned with God and see things through his eyes. And so humility is, one man said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking, your, it is thinking of yourself less. That's what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. In his great sermon on the mountain, Jesus described humility as being poor in spirit, which means we know how wretched we are without him. We understand that I am nothing without God. I'm nothing if I'm not under authority. I'm nothing if I'm not aligned with kingdom principles, kingdom values, kingdom truth. I am nothing without God. I'm nothing without my pastor. I'm nothing without being aligned in the kingdom. I'm nothing without the partnership of faith. I am so grossed out by this idea of Elite ministries that stand alone and and uh, they are they're not aligned with others. I I'm a big believer in the partnership of faith, where men of God and women of God link arms and we link giftings and link callings and we celebrate one another and work together and promote each other and serve one another. That's true humility. When it's not about you, it's about the kingdom. It's not about what your gift can do, but it's about what the totality of our giftings can accomplish when we come together in one mind and one accord, accomplishing one kingdom 
purpose. Hallelujah. According to Merriam's Webster Dictionary, humility is defined as freedom from pride and arrogance. Hallelujah. I love what somebody just put in the chat. It says, yes, serving one another. Hallelujah. You can't serve one another when you're infected with the spirit of pride and arrogance. It's all about you. I want you to lift me up. Make me look good. Put my ministry in the spotlight. I know people don't like when I talk like this. I know I know I take a beating every time I talk like this, but I I, I hate personal pronouns. When we talk about kingdom work, I, I hate personal pronouns. When we do crusades, Brother Mathis, we sit down with our crusade team and we get those 45, 50 team members in a room and I begin to talk to them about this personal pronoun addiction. I laid hands on the sick and they were healed. I, I preached this meeting and I spoke the word of faith and I did this. And I tell the team all the time, if you start reporting during the crusade, if you get on this crusade and your Facebook page and your Twitter page, all of a sudden you start talking about, I just preached and God did. You start talking about I. I said, you better get an airplane ticket and go home. Don't even think you're staying a part of this team if you start talking about yourself. I said, the only people you're allowed to, to honor in this crusade is God and the team. You can get up and say, God poured out his spirit. God used brother so-and-so in a mighty way. God blessed the national church. The national leaders are awesome. But if you ever honor yourself, if you ever put a spotlight on yourself, you better get in the first airplane home because you'll never step on another crusade field again because God will not tolerate pride and arrogance. It disrupts everything kingdom. It disrupts everything power. If you just praise others, if you just honor others, if you honor God, God will honor you when it's right. Get your eyes off you. Stop the personal pronoun ministry and get into the team ministry, the partnership of faith. That's what we need. Be free from pride, free from arrogance. What a, what a great definition. Humility is freedom from pride. If humility frees us, then we can conclude that pride enslaves us. Only when we are untethered, when we untether ourselves from pride, will we experience true humility. In ministry, we must remember that pride is an unholy sense of self. Our personal glory is more important than God's glory. I remember, I'm not afraid to talk about my failures. I, I've, had, I've had a good bunch of them, folks. And so I've got a list to draw from. Maybe some, maybe some of you don't have so many, and I'm glad you don't. But I've, I've got a book of failures that God has somehow redeemed, redeemed me from. But I, I remember one time uh, getting called to preach this meeting. And um, this pastor told me, Brother Sams, he said, he said, Brother Robinette, you come and preach this meeting. He said, we're going to have hundreds of people that need the Holy Ghost. And this was about 20 or so years ago. 
And I was really excited. I was, you know, a hundred soul revival 20 years ago, that was a big thing, you know, and I was, I was excited because that was going to put my name on the map, Brother Mathis. I was going to be somebody with a hundred soul revival. I was, I was going to be known. And, and I remember being so excited about going to that meeting and I, I show up at that meeting and, and somehow things got miscommunicated because there was 10 people at the church, 10 people for the Mathis. There was 10 people and one person that needed the Holy Ghost one. And uh, I don't know how we misunderstood each other, but uh, certainly there was a misunderstanding. 10 people present and one that needed the Holy Ghost and pride began to rise up in my spirit for the Mathis. And I got angry. And uh, I got in that pulpit and I said, I refuse to preach for one soul. Can you imagine that, Brother Mathis? Can you imagine that? I said that. I said, I refuse to preach for one soul. And I said, uh, I said, as a matter of fact, I said, you that need the Holy Ghost, you come down here right now. God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost and I'm leaving. So this man came walking down the aisle and God instantly filled the man with the Holy Ghost, not as a way to validate my ministry, but because of his mercy on that man, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I walked out the doors of that service and I literally walked off the platform angry that only one person was going to get the Holy Ghost. I know it's hard to believe this, folks. I know it's hard to believe. I'm just telling you the truth because I want to save somebody from making the same mistakes. But I walked out the door of that building and my telephone rang. And on the other end of that telephone was Billy Cole. And the first thing he said to me, none of you are going to like this. (laughs) But the first thing Billy Cole said to me was, you stupid, arrogant boy. What have you done? He said, I was just in prayer and the Lord showed me an arrogant spirit overtaking you. He said, what have you done? He said, cancel all your preaching engagements. He said, you're not preaching again until I tell you you can preach again. He said, get on an airplane, fly to my home. He said, and when you get here, if you survive me, you might preach again. I remember getting on an airplane the very next morning, flying to Charleston, West Virginia, got a rental car, drove to Nitro. I come walking in the the house of that apostle, that prophet, Billy Cole. He immediately began to rebuke me. I fell on that floor in that living room being rebuked by that man of God. I laid in the floor for three days, three days while he rebuked me, while he he spoke into my spirit, while he, he, he tore into that man that was under attack by pride and arrogance, where he started peeling back the layers until he got to that unclean spirit and yanked it out by his throat. And I'll never forget, Brother Mathis, 
at the end of that third day when Brother Cole laid his hands on me and began to prophesy life back into a ministry that was broken. And he said, now get up, boy. He said, get up, boy. He said, that spirit is broken. Go back to work. And I went back to work preaching the gospel. But if it had not been for a man of God that I was radically submitted to, that spirit of pride and arrogance could have broken a ministry. It could have destroyed a family. It could have destroyed a future. I'm telling somebody today, don't surrender to pride. Don't surrender to arrogance. Get yourself under spiritual authority and let somebody peel back the layers until they can purify you and make you ready for ministry. It doesn't matter what you've done, what your name is, what you've seen, what ministry you think you have. you got to break the spirit of pride and you got to get under authority so that you can be what God wants you to be and so the kingdom can possess the promises of God in these last days. Hallelujah. I don't want that unholy sense of self in me. Whatever it takes, whatever I got to do to be humble, whatever I got to do to be broken, whatever I got to do to ensure that seed of arrogance doesn't get in me, Whatever I got to do in order to avoid that spirit of pride, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to pay the price because I want a kingdom vision to get a hold of me. I want apostolic impartation to get a hold of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> pride is something we all battle. It attacks us differently, but we have got to address it as a man of God. We've got to rebuke it. As a child of God, we've got to speak against it. And the only way to, to do that is to really put yourself under authority and let somebody peel back the layers until you are perfected to do kingdom work. Hallelujah. And let me tell you this. You'll never overcome that battle of pride until the day you die. The enemy is going to be trying to attack you with pride and arrogance. Every good thing that you accomplish in the kingdom, for the kingdom, and, and with that partnership of faith, there's going to be that voice in your ear saying, wow, you did a great job. Wow, you're awesome. And you're going to have to fight that spirit. You're going to have to fight it. You're going to have to be intentional. I rebuke that spirit of pride. You're going to have to be intentional about lifting the arms of others. You're going to have to be intentional about the partnership of faith. You're going to have to be intentional about facilitating other ministries so that that, 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 that narrative of the enemy about your own greatness doesn't take root inside of you and destroy your kingdom potential. Hallelujah. A third thing that I want to talk about is radical sacrifice. I know it seems like a small thing, but you will never experience apostolic impartation with your hands closed. When you close your hands, you can forget it. You cannot receive anything with your hands closed. 
It is only open hands that are ready to both give and to receive at the same time. When you are willingly and when you willingly and you joyfully sacrifice your time, your treasures, your talents to the Lord, you are positioned for apostolic impartation. But when you close yourself up and you say that's mine and it's nobody else's, I won't give it, I won't share it, I won't release it. When you close up your hands, you prevent God from being able to give anything to you. You handicap your kingdom future. I refuse to handicap my future. My hands are open. I want to always be ready to give, to share, to sacrifice. I'm just going to say it out loud. If you're a man of God that doesn't pay your tithes, you shouldn't be a man of God. If you're a man of God that does not give sacrificially to the kingdom, you shouldn't be a man of God. If your hands aren't open, you ought to be put back on the pew until you're ready to open up your hands. You should never be in a pulpit until you have proven that you can open your hands sacrificially, that you can give yourself, give your time, your treasures, your talents, sacrificially holding nothing back. If you don't pay your tithes, you don't give, you should be nothing. You aren't worthy of a pulpit if you aren't if you are proven to be radically sacrificial in the kingdom of God. Somebody ought to man up and shut down your ministry if you don't sacrifice and you don't give and you don't surrender. That that that's just a kingdom principle that you just cannot navigate beyond. You got to run straight into radical sacrifice. I will never forget the first time, first time that I learned about radical sacrifice. It was Brother Steve Willoughby preaching that general conference service in North America. The first general conference service that we took up a million dollar offering and I remember uh, him preaching and in the midst of preaching I'm sure some of you remember this but all of a sudden he reached into his pocket and pulled out a check and said he said the Lord told me to write a ten thousand dollar check today and I remember being on the platform when brother Willoughby did that and something leaped in my heart I had never been a part of sacrifice Official giving, never been a part of sacrifice in my life. I'd seen it, Brother Mathis, but I'd never done it. I'd always, you know, paid my tithes. That was normal, but I'd never been a part of sacrifice. Never sacrifice. But when I saw Brother Willoughby write that check for $10,000, I remember sitting on that platform and something getting in my spirit. And God said, if I can trust you with this, I can trust you with everything. And I remember wanting in my spirit to give. And I had a, a little Nokia flip phone. And I was trying to call my wife. This was years ago. 
and I was trying to call my wife and she was up in the nosebleed section of the general conference and I was trying to call her to tell her God said give 10,000 in this offering and she was calling me trying to tell me God did not say give 10,000 in this offering and and you know how it is with a married couple when I couldn't get a hold of her and she couldn't get a hold of me so I was sure we were in one mind and one accord and and so I I remember just getting a piece of paper we had $100 in the bank for the Mathis $100 in the bank and we owed $9,900 on the birth of our baby. So we were $10,000 in debt and had $100 in the bank. And God spoke to me and said, if you'll make a pledge for $10,000, I'm going to prove to you that sacrifice pays off in the kingdom. And I took a piece of paper and I wrote on it, Charles and Stacy Robinette. Give us a few months and we'll pay $10,000. And I put that note on the altar. And I'll never forget standing in that altar. I was weeping and just celebrating the opportunity to sacrifice. And my wife came down and stood next to me and she was weeping. And she was celebrating that I was sacrificing. <laughs> and, and, and then she wasn't celebrating. Forgive me. She was weeping. <laughs> and she was like, what are we going to do? We don't even have $100 in the bank. But for the Mathis, I was standing in that altar. And while we were weeping and praying in the altar, a man reached around and got his hand into my front pocket. And I didn't know what he put in there, but I just stood there and worshiped God and trusted God for a $10,000 sacrifice. When we got back to our hotel night that night, I forgot about that, that check in my pocket. And I pulled that check out of that my pocket. And when I did, there was a check for $20,000. I paid off the birth of my baby and paid off that pledge in one single day. And God taught me a valuable lesson. If you'll open up your hands, you can trust me, not just with money, but you can trust me with the kingdom. I'm going to open up doors for you that no man can shut. I'm going to bless you abundantly. You're going to see a blessing upon your families, upon your wife, upon your children, upon your gift, the gifts of God that he releases in you, upon the fivefold ministry that he opened. If you'll open up your hands, preachers, if you'll open up your hands, saints, if you'll say, okay, God, I'm holding nothing back. I'm not afraid. I'm going to prove you. I'm going to tell the nation of the Philippines right now, 21 million souls is just the beginning. That's just scratching the surface of the, the revival God's going to give you because you're going to send missionaries and they're going to go to nations and they're going to win those nations. And you're going to anoint and appoint and release preachers that are going to carry the gospel around the world. Open up your hands. Trust God. Watch and see. You will be blessed bountifully. You're going to be blessed generously. You're going you're to see the blessings of God come upon you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Nobody will be able to hinder the work of the Lord in the nation of the Philippines. God is for you. And nobody can be against you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hatalabashatalabasi. Hallelujah. I want to talk to last point here. Well, not really last point, last point in this point. <laughs> I love to teach. Now, everybody thinks that I'm just a preacher, and I, but I love to teach. This is my sweet spot, so y'all are stuck. And somebody invited me to teach, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach until they shut off my microphone. So the, the last point in this point is radical prayer. And I want you to understand something. We, we got to get it in our spirits right now and never forget that that inaugural apostolic outpouring was the result of a 10-day prayer meeting. Everything that happened in the book of Acts was born in a prayer meeting where the people of God stopped playing church and they got busy in church and they started praying until something broke. They prayed until there was breakthrough. They prayed until something was imparted. They prayed until there was a release. And I'm going to tell you right now, the church has got to get back to prayer. We've got to get back to that powerful, earth-shaking kingdom prayer meeting that's not distracted by devices and, and deception and the spirit of this world and the carnality of this world. We've got to get back on our knees and praying until something happens. We've got to shake the kingdom. We've got to shake the gates of hell. We've got to shake the spirit of this world. We've got to pray Everything radically apostolic in God's kingdom begins with prayer. Since the book of Acts, there has never been a great revival that did not begin with radical apostolic prayer. There's never been a powerful apostolic believer that did not pray. There's never been a powerful church that did not pray. There's never been a powerful minister that did not pray. There's never been a manifestation of the demonstration and power of the Spirit of God that was not initiated by prayer. When we pray, there is unlimited access to supernatural power of the Spirit of the Lord. And so we got to get back to prayer, but not just any kind of prayer. I want to just jump into this uh, small little bit here, but we got to get to prophetic prayer. That's radical prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where we begin to boldly pray the Word of God and we begin to declare that which is not as if it already is. We don't worry what anybody thinks. We don't worry what anybody says. But we boldly declare the word of God. I love what happened in Ezekiel chapter 37. When God told Ezekiel to look at that valley of dry bones, and he said, he said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel rightly and said, oh, you only you know. And, and, and God said, you're going to prophesy to these bones. But God didn't stop there. God told him exactly what to say. Exactly what to say. And I want you to notice, when Ezekiel spoke to the valley, he started it out with this word, this statement. He said, hear the word of the Lord. When he spoke to the impossibility in that valley, he did not say, hear Ezekiel. He did not say, hear this orator. 
He didn't say, I've got a cool preaching sermon. He said, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. And as he articulated the same thing God told him to say, as he repeated it, as he simply declared what was already declared, all of a sudden there was a sound. Things begin to shake. Things begin to move. And things begin to change. And I'm going to tell you right now, the kingdom of God, the people of God, <clears throat> we need to get back to that powerful Ezekiel chapter 37 prophetic prayer where you make a list of those promises of God that you want to see in the nation of the Philippines. And you get up every morning and you begin to prophesy them as loud as you can. Where you say, I prophesy, these signs shall follow the believers in the nation of the Philippines. I prophesy, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I prophesy, they shall take up serpents. I, I prophesy, they, they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. When we begin to prophesy, when we say Philippines, nation of the Philippines, hear the word of the Lord. These signs shall follow them that believe. Nation of the Philippines, hear the word of the Lord. In the last days, saith God, I prophesy that the Spirit's going to fall upon every man and every woman and every child. When you start speaking to the north of the Philippines and the south of the Philippines and the east and the west, and you say, I prophesy harvest now. I prophesy bear fruit now. I prophesy to the I prophesy the seed is going to multiply fruit now. If you will begin to speak that which is not as if it already is and you begin to speak prophetically hear the word of the Lord you're going to see the ground begin to tear open and all of a sudden there's going to be fruit that begins to multiply a hundredfold a thousandfold a millionfold and yes I believe billions Billions as you declare the word of the Lord. I say it again, billions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My second point I want to talk about is you must have apostolic exposure to apprehend apostolic impartation. Hallelujah. Pastor Sams, when I, I don't even remember when I started. But when I need to finish, you can just like give a thumbs up and I'll just be done. Okay. All right. Number two, the second point here, you must have apostolic exposure to apprehend apostolic impartation. And there are some spiritual things that can only be caught by proximity and can never be possessed through simple observation or academia. You have got to get close to some things in the spirit. Some things are caught and not taught. You've got to rub shoulders with those apostolic people to let some of that just come into your spiritual system. And I, there's examples of this in the word of God. When you read 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18, you find David fleeing from the jealous Saul 
Saul to Ramah. And he shares with Samuel all that he has endured at the hands of that wicked King Saul. And together, Samuel and, and David, they make their way to Naoth. And, and Saul, Saul is enraged that David has escaped, number one. And he's enraged that he's now aligned with the prophet Samuel. And Saul sends three sets of messengers to David. And notice this. When the first set of messengers arrived and they, they arrive and they find this, themselves close to the prophets and close to Samuel and close to David, all of a sudden, all of these soldiers that he sends to get David start prophesying. They leave that place without accomplishing their task. Because they get in proximity to supernatural things and they get in proximity to anointed people. All of a sudden, something infects them. And even those who came with evil intent can't help but catching things that can't be taught. Saul said, I'll take care of this. I'll send another army. Same thing happens to the second army. He sends a third army. Same thing happens to a third, third army. An arrogant Saul says, you can only get something done right if you do it yourself. And so Saul leaves the kingdom and he gets on his pony or whatever. I don't know what he had. Get, gets on his little, little, you know, this group, his army goes out. and they, they, they get in proximity. They just get close to Samuel, the prophets, David. And the Bible says that when he gets in close proximity to Naoth, Samuel and the prophets and the spirit of God, it all comes upon Saul. And Saul strips off his clothes and Saul begins to prophesy. And people are standing around going, is Saul a prophet? How amazing. Amazing. Wicked Saul, his wicked soldiers. When they got in close proximity to righteousness, close proximity to anointing, close proximity to gifting, they couldn't help but imitate and be infected by what they were exposed to. Now, I want you to understand there is no substitute for proximity when it comes to apostolic impartation. You can't get it on your own. You've got to facilitate proximity in order to apprehend apostolic impartation. You've got to bring in apostolic ministries that are going to bring exposure to your people. You've got to bring in those opportunities for them to, to rub shoulders and, and touch and feel and connect in the spirit to what they cannot uh, connect to from a distance and they cannot connect to just by studying academically. A second example of this, when you read 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, the sons of the prophets watched from a distance while Elisha poured water on the hands of the man of God. They had every opportunity to be in close proximity, to receive 
to experience, to be mentored, but they stood back, they waited, they observed, they studied when they should have been positioning themselves for something to fall from heaven or to be caught from the prophet Elijah. And what Elisha received could have belonged to them, but while Elisha was pursuing and was in close proximity to Elijah, the sons of the prophets were just observing and studying from a distance. Let me tell somebody in the Philippines right now, do not wait for apostolic impartation. Do not stand afar off. Do not study from a distance. Do not just observe. You must get in close proximity to apostolic things to catch, to receive, and to experience apostolic impartation. You got to stay close in proximity to your pastor, stay close in proximity to apostolic men and women of God. You gotta get yourself aligned with righteous, powerful people of God if you're going to receive the double portion that God has for his church in these last days. You gotta get close, stay in close proximity, get in close proximity, get yourself involved. Get yourself aligned with apostolic ministry. Get yourself in the partnership of faith. Stop being an island to yourself. Stop seeing yourself as your own man and your own ministry and your own gifting and your own anointing. Get yourself aligned with apostolic things and apostolic people and apostolic authority. And you will catch righteous, powerful things that are going to open up the kingdom of God for global, global Harvest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The right thing in the wrong season can be catastrophic to your apostolic future. And so while I talk about proximity anointing and how important it is, you got to be under authority because your man of God knows what you're ready for. Okay, if you if if you think you can go chasing anointings and chasing mantles and you you get something out of season, it will destroy your future. But if you got a man of God and you go to Brother Perez and you say, Brother Perez, I, I feel a call upon my life and I, I want to be a part of a crusade. I, I want to be connected with certain ministries. I want to have investment in some from some of them. And Brother Perez says, you're ready for this. I, I see the call on your life. You're ready. Let me align you with this. Man, you're going to receive something great. But if Brother Perez looks you in the eye and says, you're not ready. You need, to, you need to submit to authority for a season. And you resist him and you chase a mantle. You will be perverted, corrupted, and destroyed by the chased mantle. But if you keep under authority and you allow that man of God to align you in those proximity moments, Wow, wow, your life can be changed forever. Submit yourself and trust your pastor to discern what you are ready for and the motive of your heart as you pursue apostolic impartation. As you stay under authority, you will get the right thing at the right time and you will safely produce the right apostolic results. Just like Elisha. He slayed the oxen. He buried the backup plan. He chased after the things that others have, had chosen to observe and, and from afar off. You got to position yourself. You got to put yourself in the right place. 
the right time to catch those things that can only be caught and not taught. Hallelujah. Number three, you must immediately and consistently activate to effectively operate what you receive through apostolic impartation. Let me say that one more time because that was a mouthful. Even as I read it, I thought that was a lot. You should have shortened that a little bit. Let me say that one more time. You must immediately and consistently activate to effectively operate what you receive through apostolic impartation. Let me tell you something. The greatest danger and really the most tragic thing that can happen is that you get in an apostolic impartation moment where something is imparted to you and something rubs off. And, and like, like the, the, the servants of Saul, when you're in the right environment, you operate and everything works perfect and you're around the prophets and you're around Samuel and you're around David and so you prophesy. But then all of a sudden you get out of that environment, that conference environment, that 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 crusade environment and you get home and you're not surrounded by the partnership of faith. And you and instead of operating, you feel afraid because now you're alone. The moment you cease to activate what you operated in proximity, it will die in your hands. So when you get in that general conference moment, you get in that special meeting moment, you get in that crusade moment and you're laying hands on the sick and they recover and, and you're seeing people get the Holy Ghost by the masses and you get back into your local church setting and you get back around your, your in your own city. If you do not continue doing what you did in that proximity exposure moment, it will die in your possession and you will need another proximity moment to produce that same power to get that jump start again apostolic impartation that is not immediately followed by our activation and our consistent operation leads to apostolic inconsistency spiritual frustration and misapplication of spiritual things okay the moment Elisha became the recipient of apostolic impartation, he possessed it through the immediate activation and operation. It was no longer Elijah's mantle, his gifting, or his office. It was now Elisha's. The moment he picked it up, the moment he got in that exposure moment, in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 14, Look what Elisha does. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. He smote the waters and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, I saw my father do this. Now I'm going to activate it myself. I'm going to do what my father did. I'm going to activate what I have possessed by proximity. And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Friends, I remember the first time that I went on a crusade. It was with Billy Cole to Ethiopia, and I will never forget seeing that crowd of well over 300,000 people. Some people estimated nearly 500,000 people. 
And I remember when Billy Cole spoke the word of faith. And in that one service, they estimated over a hundred thousand people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, I am a believer. I saw it with my own eyes, Brother Mathis, when that crowd, a, a football field full of people that I could not number. I could not even see the back of the crowd. But I will never forget when that sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled that crusade. And all of a sudden, everybody in that place began to speak with other tongues. I don't even know how many got the Holy Ghost. It was far more than was reported. But when I saw it, I walked away from that field like Elisha walked away from that encounter with Elijah. I picked it up, that mantle. I didn't know if it belonged to me or not, but I smote the ground in that first service following that meeting. And I said, God, if you did it for Billy Cole, you'll do it for me. If you did it for him, you'll do it for me. And I remember in that first service back, such a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost like I had never seen before. You know why that happened, Brother Mathis? It was because I didn't leave what I saw in Ethiopia in Ethiopia. I took a hold of it and I said, if you did it for my father, you can do it for me. And I smote the ground like he smote the ground. And when I did, I saw things. I activated what had been only possessed by proximity. I activated. And when I activated it, it happened. And that's the same thing God wants to do for his kingdom in this hour. God wants to do it for the nation of the Philippines. That every single believer in the Philippines. That what you're feeling right now in this proximity. Being in proximity to great men and women of God. What's being imparted and released. That it would not just go in one ear and out the other. But that you will take possession of it. And you go back into your city and you'll pick up that mantle and smite the ground and say, where is the, the God of my father? And you yourself with your own eyes will begin to see the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and all diseases cured and your city have a revival that does not fit in your building. You will have so many receive the Holy Ghost and so many be baptized in Jesus' name that no man can number. No man can number like Revelations told us. No man can number it. Stop talking about what you've seen. Do what you've seen. Stop talking about what you've received. Activate what you've received. God has a vision for global harvest. And that envision, that vision involves the intentional release of apostolic impartation to his mighty army. Position yourself to radical submission, radical humility, radical sacrifice, radical prayer. Get in close proximity to everything apostolic because some things are caught and not taught. Immediately and consistently activate everything you have received. There is no time to wait. The coming of the Lord is fast upon us. We must believe God for, and we must operate as if God is going to add to the church billions of souls 
and before the sound of the trumpet. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to the Apostolic Mentoring Podcast with Charles Robinette. We hope that you will tune in next week. Purchase our new book, Radically Apostolic, available on Amazon in English, German, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. See you on the next episode of Apostolic Mentoring.